What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Geek Boutique Podcast. That's right. We are back. It is Thursday, January 25th. I mean, we're already a month into the year. It feels like we just celebrated Christmas last week. This is the Geek Boutique Podcast. You were not imagining things if you're watching us live. This is not Jeff. This is, of course, pretty much Jeff's backup at this point, Mr. Myers Corp Cosplay. Don't tell him that. (laughs) How you doing, buddy? Doing good yourself. I'm doing well. Thanks for coming on. We were just talking about before we went live that this is actually Michael's sixth time on the show. In 121 episodes, it's his sixth time. Uh, I feel like we need a, a six-timer jacket now. Uh, As microphone for, will travel. That's yes, okay. It's exactly. still only 0.05% of the show, so I think you're still good with calling there it There you game. go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> And as you can see below me, and as you probably saw in some of our posts online, we've got Candice from, and I hope I'm getting this right, CHM Therapy Services. Yes. Aha. Thanks for joining us, Candice. No problem. This is great. Um, Before we get started, guys, Mm -hmm. if you are new here, please make sure you click the subscribe button. If you're not new here and you haven't clicked that subscribe button, I don't know what you're doing, but it's completely free. So is the like. Make sure you click that like. It really lets us know that you like the content that you're seeing. It lets the YouTube algorithm know that you like what you're watching. And if you happen to follow us on one of your favorite podcast platforms, give us a follow and a like there as well. I mean, let those guys know you want more of our podcasts. Um, All right. Guys, we need to talk, right? I think it goes without saying that all of us uh, and most of our following we all love to go to conventions big events uh whether it be like our friend michael who was just at like 14 madonna shows in a row that might be a slight <laughs> exaggeration but you know uh we go to these massive conventions you know a lot of people will feel social anxiety while at these big events Mm-hmm. I think it's worth us talking about. It. Um, we have to start with defining what is even social anxiety. What does that even mean? Yeah. So, um, you know, here's the thing. I think we nowadays we talk about anxiety. We talk about it as this like big, bad, evil thing, right? Like, oh, my God, they've got anxiety and it's terrible. and We need to eradicate it, right? I think it's important to remember that anxiety ultimately is just like any other feeling, right? It's it's neither good nor bad. It's a product of your brain anticipating specific outcomes. And typically for anxiety, it's an outcome that you feel you cannot control, right? You feel you cannot handle it. You feel you might be in danger, right? And, and I would say you feel you might be in danger on kind of a, a more like internal deeper level. Because reality is the things that your brain would consider danger uh, nowadays is very different from what your brain considered danger when the system was developed millennia Mm. ago, right? So back then, death was like, oh, there's a, you know, saber-toothed tiger coming at me. That's not a good thing. I should run or hide. Nowadays, you have social death. You have financial death. You have... Um, you know, view of yourself, romantic relationships, just like there's just so many different ways in which uh, we see our existence as threatened. Mm -hmm. And anxiety pops up anytime we don't feel safe, 
So anxiety serves a purpose. We would never want to eradicate it. It actually keeps us safe. But there are, in the same way that we think about the phobias, you have arachnophobia, you have you know, agoraphobia, you have all these different ones, um, and each of them is sort of a fear of a specific thing. When we talk about social anxiety, what we're really saying is we're saying it's a fear of social situations or social um, relationships, connections, my view of myself within a social setting. That makes mm. sense. Yeah. So does that help? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And and yeah. I think the way you're defining it is it leaves the door open to a lot of different sources of anxiety. Absolutely. Um, because it is a very broad term. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we move on, um, people are saying no acad. I'm realizing now we talked about, I, I talked about it in the pre-show live on Instagram, but I didn't let you guys know why ACA is not here. Unfortunately, no, there is no ACA. Jeff has fallen ill. Uh, so he decided he was not going to be on. Uh, and that's when I messaged our friend here, Michael Myers. Um, all right, Candice, uh, you've defined what social anxiety means, right? Broad term. Um, why don't you let people know, first of all, who you are, what your expertise is, how you know all this stuff, and what you actually do for a living? Yeah, okay. So, um, I would say, what do I do for a living? Mental health is my jam, right? Like, this is what I do. I've always been fascinated by the human brain, the human body, how it all fits together. Um, I run a private practice mental health. So I'm a psychotherapist. I run a private practice in Milton, Ontario. We do online sessions, in-person sessions. Uh, we work with all ages and stages. We work with little wee tiny tots at four years old. We work with seniors who are in retirement homes um, on basically all of the things that just cause us internal distress and sometimes external distress too. So. We will work with people who have anxiety or depression or sort of the, I would say, typical mental health kind of challenges. We'll work with uh, behavior change, kind of life coaching, going through transitions. And um, and we'll do some relationship stuff or family stuff. So basically, whatever's got your mojo down, we're going we're gonna to be there to help you work through it and to kind of get to a better place. Um, I think a question I get asked a lot is like, you know, what's the purpose of therapy? Like, how do I know I need therapy? Or when should I come to therapy? Or why? What's the point? Mm -hmm. Right? And, and we tend to have this view that therapies for people who are crazy or people who are really not well, like there's this world where it's seen as, um, for some people, it's embarrassing to be like, oh, I have to see mm -hmm. a therapist. Like, oof, don't tell anyone. I feel like there still yeah. is that stigma around, right? Absolutely. Can't, can't, can't get away from that. Yeah. There's still very much that whole, oh no, I, I don't, I don't need therapy, right? I'll, yeah. I'll you know, no, I can fine. deal with it, right? I'm yeah. fine, yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, I think it's changing, which thankfully, um, but that also opens a whole sort of host of other challenges. But you know, when people say like, when should you go to therapy? I'm like, you should just go. You you should just have a person who is your person who you can chat to about whatever with no judgment. They're not connected to your life in terms of they have any kind of buy-in to what you do with your life they're just mm. there to help you um and i think that's that neutral space party of like zero judgment exactly is so freeing 
right? Like to be able to just say to someone exactly what you're thinking, knowing that they're just going to accept you right there. Like, cool. This is where we're at. This is your experience. I don't question whether you're lying to me or you're telling me the truth because what you're telling me is your life and your perspective and perspective ultimately is reality, right? Like where you seeing the world, that is what you're reacting to. So, you know, the goal is really so that you can know yourself better, understand what's going on with you. You know, if we talk about social anxiety, like why do I get anxious? What is it in me that makes me anxious? If I know that, if I understand myself and what it looks like, what it feels like and what triggers it, then I can make decisions in my life with intention, mm -hmm. right? So to kind of stay within the realm of, of um, you know, cosplay world, for example, let's say I want to go um, to the next convention as a character that like I've never done before. That's very like quite far out of my wheelhouse. It's sort of a really new thing for me. I might look at that and be like, oh, no, I'm just, no, that's, no, I'm not going to do that, right? So my question would be like, why? Is it because you actually don't want to or is it because you're scared of something, right? Because yeah. And scared, yeah. yeah, carry on, jump in. Yes. Yeah, I, 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 the, the root of where that anxiety comes from could be, and I'll say this, 10 people can say the exact same thing that you just said now, but, right. but have different roots of where that anxiety is coming from. Right. Right. So, yeah. So my hope would be that if you were, if, you know, people that I work with, for example, one of the things that we'll talk about is you don't want to do this because, because you're scared you can't get, make the costume look good enough because people are going to laugh at you because you've been pegged as, you know, a Marvel character and all of a sudden you're playing DC and people are going to be like, what? Like, you know, there's all, you know, those things. Yeah, um, Michael. <laughs> stay in your lane, right? No. So we have all these things, but I want you to be able to look at that and say like, okay, so this is what I'm thinking. This is why I feel this way. Is that valid? And am I okay with that? Or am I just living from fear? I want you to live with intention mm. because then whatever choice you make in your life, you can accept the consequences of it. So if I can say, look, I'm not doing that because everyone's going to laugh at me and I cannot tolerate that. Fine. That is totally fair. That's your choice. Because then you can accept the consequence, which is that you don't get to try out that cool thing that you've been dying to do. Right? Correct. So the goal of therapy is to be able to know yourself well enough to live with intention by choice, your choice, rather than being ruled by fear anxiety, self-loathing, whatever the mm -hmm. hell else is going on in your head. Yeah, that, that is, wow. You kind of, I mean, you're the professional, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, there's, I'll, I'll fully admit there've been times where I've had that exact feeling where right. I've worked so hard on something and I walk in and I'm going, I don't want to be here all of a sudden. And right. I do that exact same thing where I kind of have to stop and go, why? Well, cause mm -hmm. I don't feel, cause I don't feel like I fit why right. and sort of keep asking that why and why and why and get down mm -hmm. to oh i'm just i'm playing in my head and i shouldn't be because there's probably 15 other people around me who are doing the exact same thing well that's the thing and right we're all we're we actually all, all we're actually all in the same boat yeah 100 yeah 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 and it's i think it's being able to do that because there is a space where you could say i don't want to be here so i'm actually going to go and it's 100% okay for you to make that choice for your life for whatever reason, whether it's fear or anything else. But I want you to understand the reasons so that you can own it. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you said to me, what do I do? So, so what do we do? We do talk therapy. Um, so psychotherapy is typically, you know, talking it out, figuring out what's going on. Um, there's a lot of different modalities of therapy. So you have kind of narrative approaches, which is really like looking at the story of your life, right? Are you the hero mm-hmm. or the villain or just the side party in your own mm-hmm. life? Where do you fit? right we have um cbt which is cognitive behavioral therapy it's kind of the underlying the underlying core of most therapies it's the idea that your reaction to the world your feelings about the world is not really based on the situation that you're in but it's based on the thoughts that you're having about that situation mm. right so we if we want to change how i'm feeling it's not about changing my situation it's about changing how I'm thinking about the situation, right? Um, you know, we have, so there's there's a lot of different therapies. There's sort of somatic therapies where you're looking at what's happening in your body um, and how your body is actually showing you that it's anxious. And we can talk more about that actually because it relates to a lot of the anxiety stuff. It's quite good. Um, we, at CHM, we have, um, so we have individual psychotherapy. We have families, groups. Um, we actually have some really exciting new stuff coming that you mentioned earlier called geek therapy, um, which is basically, it's basically using pop culture and the things that people are interested in as a way of relating to yourself, right? Relating to your world. So rather than, and and the reason it's actually become like its own therapy is because what we recognize is that like, I think historically, um, you know, I would say comic books and anime and D and D, and there were there was a stigma there too, right? So people didn't talk about it, and if they were interested in it, they didn't say it out loud because that would put you at the L table, and you don't want to be at the L table, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. we would kind of keep it to ourselves, right? And so what's happening now is I think there's a there's an element of mainstreaming with a lot of these things, and so as therapists thank God, um, we're actually looking around going, wait, like, hang on. (laughs) We actually need to know this stuff, right? Like if I'm doing play therapy with a kid, um, I don't want to do play therapy in toys that the kid never plays with. That means nothing to them, right? It has to be relevant to what that person is doing. So, you know, and I say, like, I do play therapy with adults. I pull out puppets with, you know, 25 year olds. They look at me strangely, but you know, it's all good. Um, so I think it's really about meeting your clients where they are. And so that's why we're so excited. So I have someone who is, um, she is a cosplayer. She's, you know, she, she kind of lives in the world. She's part of it. She's a therapist. She's amazing. And so we are um, having her certified as much as that sounds kind of crazy um, as a geek therapist, meaning she's specifically learned how to incorporate things like video gaming therapy, uh, D&D groups for social anxiety or for anxiety. Actually, that's coming soon. Um, you know, really bringing in like, how do we analyze anime or even the psychology of your avatar that you use when you're gaming? Like there's, there's spaces there to think about. Um, JS, I think you and I talked very briefly the other day about the space where we recognize that even the characters that you choose to play when you cosplay. 100 percent yeah you there's an element in that that helps us to understand you and understand yourself 
right? Well, it allows I mean, you to I feel like cosplay is therapy for a lot of people. Absolutely. Right? It's role play, right? Uh, cosplay is also, for me, well, well, yes, for me and to some degree, but for to a lot of people, there's something about putting a mask on mm-hmm. and 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 becoming someone else and and having that separation of it's not you anymore, right? right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so cosplay is not only therapy, but also for me a tool yeah. to dealing with being able to put myself out there in a spandex freaking suit when you've got, you know, a yeah. giant gut. Right. So I, I, I mean, yeah, cosplay. There's a lot of yourself in the cosplay, 100 percent. Yeah. And there's, uh, there's, the this, there's this beautiful irony in that statement that you just said, because really what we're saying is that you deal with your anxieties about yourself. Mm-hmm. OK, by putting on spandex <laughs> yeah. and exposing the very thing that you're anxious about. Yeah. And then feeling anxious about doing that. And you're wondering like, why? Well, you know, well, it's the a, mask. <laughs> the mask is what the allows mask. you to hide. Yes, right? exactly. The mask is what allows you to mm-hmm. do it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I can't remember how we came up with this saying, but a while ago we came up with mm-hmm. the whole, we do this cause it's fun. You know, after you've been at a yes. con for four days straight, and you've been up early morning and and till late at night in sweaty costumes, and by the fourth day, you're like, yeah, we do this because it's fun because it's no longer fun at that point, right? right. Uh, but yes, I, I I feel like for me anyway, the mask is a big deal, and and, yeah. and I, I'm pretty sure it is for a lot of people as well. It's yeah, it's, it's what and I, kind of well, pulls I, you out and makes you that person, right? Yeah, well, it makes you safe, right? It makes yes. you safe from from being identified as yourself. But I think there, there are you know, obviously millions of cosplay that don't involve a mask. They involve some kind of makeup. But you know, I would also say to you, there's, there's, no, there's no difference between the cosplayer who puts on their costume and, uh, and goes to a con to the businessman who puts on his suit and goes to a meeting, right? It's a space of, this mm-hmm. is how I feel safe. Like I am putting on a role here that I am going to feel comfortable in. The businessman's suit makes him feel confident and powerful. Mm-hmm. Right? In the 80s, we used to tell women, you should wear red heels because red heels are siren sexy power. No one can mess with you. You see how many of our parents have red heels. It's, it's quite actually hysterical, right? In the same way that, you know, with, with cosplay, it's the same thing. You put on this suit that allows you to try being different or to be yourself unapologetically, right? That's a good way to put it. So, yeah, is there's an incredible amount of value. And I think that's, you know, we were talking about sort of doing this geek therapy and bringing this piece into Canada. There's not a lot of people who are doing the certification here. Um, there's a fair bit of it happening in the States and in Australia. And so we're excited to be bringing in some of that stuff. Um, here to Canada and and recognizing that, you know, you don't have to hide the things you're passionate about in therapy. You never should, but you should also be able to have a therapist who gets them and who can really relate and understand. 100%. It, right? Yeah. hundred so, yeah. percent. Um, I feel like it's taking, a, it's taken a long time for, I feel especially the, the, the late Gen Xers and the early Gen uh, Z, Gen uh, millennials, mm-hmm. uh, the early millennials and the late Gen Xers had a weird 
where they were kind of both children of the 70s and 80s. And it, yeah. So I think a lot <laughs> of us are, 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 are in that point. And you know what? Now I forget where I was going with this damn point. <laughs> No, so you know what I would say to you is I think that 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 little um, window of individuals, we were the the generation that had to kind of be adults before we were adults. Um, we weren't allowed to be geeks when no, we were kids. No, we, we were we the generation that got ridiculed. Our movie, exactly, you know, and, and exactly. So it was a, a big thing, but. But there is also a space though where where we didn't get a chance to be kids, and so I think when you see that generation or that particular slice of the generations kind of really like leaning into it, man, we play like nobody's business. We, we, we are the ultimate, I can out kid my kids. Sometimes, oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and I can out adult my parents at the same time. So it's you not seen my office. I mean, <laughs> come on. Well, uh, well we'll send yeah. of the other office and then you'll be like, yes. Well, there you go. Um, yeah. I, I, I really feel like there was, there was, uh, uh, um, because we weren't allowed to mm -hmm. be geeks and nerds back then, it took a long time for the stuff that we liked mm -hmm. and the stuff that were, we were into that mm -hmm. people understood that. Yeah. People are into this stuff. Like you can't just ignore yeah. it. People are into it, right? It's an actual thing. So yeah. it's great to see that even now with therapy that they're, they're kind of opening those doors. It's gonna, I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people. It seems right. to be resonating with a lot of people. <laughs> in the chat yeah. uh maybe we should take a couple minutes and go through some of the some of the uh, uh, the comments because there's been a bunch of comments so far yeah. and we haven't addressed or looked at any of them uh first of all natasha uh our friend uh, canadian angel cosplay let's see here i've struggled with anxiety my whole life finding ways to handle panic attacks is a challenge but surrounding myself with, with i guess just with positive people helps mm-hmm I, I mean, your surrounding and your core group of friends and the people that you're with, I feel like are always going to be the safe space, right? I mean, yeah. I can give you a three minute um, trick to deal with those panic attacks in a couple of minutes. If you wanted to read through a few others, we'll see how many other people are struggling with that. Mm -hmm. But um, panic attacks are, are actually, they're scary because they're unpredictable, but there's some pretty solid, quick ways to deal with them if you know what's going on. So we can talk about that. I mean, sure. did you want to go through that? Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. we'll jump right in now. Okay, so I'm going to go into a bit of lecture mode, so just kind of bear with me if you can. But so the biggest thing I would okay, say... Michael will make faces in the background while you're being all serious. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I make faces too. Um, the biggest thing I would say to you to remember is, like, what is happening when you panic? So we've been talking about anxiety, and panic is, is anxiety on steroids. Okay, so when we panic, something, we've talked about there's a whole host of things that could trigger that, but something has triggered my anxiety system, my fight or flight reflex gets turned on, okay? And basically that is the, like, fight or die. That's what my brain is telling me. Like, this is it, death match, mm -hmm. right? So in that moment, it's like, it's a reflex. There's a series of things that happen all in the exact same moment that explain all the symptoms that you have when you have a panic attack. And they all make a lot of sense when you think about the goal of getting energy to your muscles and getting you ready to fight for your life, right? Mm. So first thing that's going to happen is my, um, my heart's going to start to beat faster. It wants to move that blood circulation and get the oxygen where it needs to go, right? 
The second thing that's going to happen is um, my breathing is going to change. And this is really critical. So my breathing changes from um, aerobic breathing to anaerobic. Anaerobic is what we do when we're exercising. You know this breathless feeling you have when you run from one end of a convention to the right. other? That's anaerobic breathing. Okay. And the thing to remember is we're trying to do a quick air exchange to match up with the pumping of your heart. So here's the key. If I have a big balloon that's this big and I'm trying to do this really quickly, because of the size of it, I can't do that air exchange very quickly. So anaerobic breathing says, hold on a second, let's make this smaller. Let's fill up the bottom half of the balloon, right? And let's just do this. I can get a quick exchange happening here for the blood flowing through, right? So relating back to the panic attack, first thing people will tell me is, I can't breathe. I feel like I can't breathe. And without sounding snarky, but maybe a little bit is, of course you can't, your lungs are full, right? You're literally only breathing with this much of your lungs mm. in that time, right? So, so these things happening at the same time, they happen together. The next thing that happens is your body says that we need to fight or die. So we need to assign our resources effectively. So blood is actually moved away from your brain, right? not all of it, obviously, you'd be dead, and away from other body systems that are not needed in that time. Okay, so your stomach stops working. We don't need to digest right now, there's a saber-toothed tiger attacking me, right? I don't need a lot of brain function because I don't need to be thinking about what color is that tiger? Like, no, climb the damn tree, right? So my body is doing what it needs to do to keep me safe. When my stomach turns off, I'm left feeling nauseous, my stomach itself might be rolling around because there's acid in there that doesn't get to just stop when my body stops doing its thing, right? Or I might feel like I need to go to the loo because the bottom part, there's stuff halfway working its way through and it hasn't made it to the end. So in that way, we think like, oh, well, oh, that makes sense, right? If I turn off that system, that's how it's going to feel. When the blood starts to move away from my brain, there's also certain brain functions that get turned down, right? One of them being logic. Now is not the time for deep thinking. This, this prefrontal cortex where we do all of our best work that allowed us to be the top of the food chain Get actually on. gets turned off, right? Which is why when you have a panic attack, it's very illogical. It doesn't make sense, right? In a calm moment, I know this is not true, but in that moment, my brain is just extrapolating and it gets mm. bigger, right? So um there's two other things that happen that we should mention the first one is that your sensory system so your way of getting information from the world turns up right think about the deer in the woods right like i need to know yeah. where is danger coming from so all of a sudden i'm overwhelmed by the lights by the sounds by people breathing by the like my skin's crawling i'm getting itchy my goosebumps that is because your body is trying to figure out where is this danger coming from Right. And then the um, the last one is that we get an incredible amount of energy, obviously, rushing to your muscles. Right. So we get fidgety. We can't sit still. We start to feel like I have to move. I have to get out of here or I have to punch somebody. Right. So if we can understand those are the functions of the fight or flight system. Right. And it's a reflex. So when you are at a con and you're in a crowd and your brain suddenly goes <gasps> too many people. That turns on, but it's instant, right? And suddenly you can't breathe. You're thinking, what is going on, right? You wanted to add something, JS. You were thinking, no, yeah, you're right. It's instant. Yeah. Like it's those type of things, they show up just boom, and then you don't 
you don't yeah. understand why because it just it just hits you right right and so there's two things that we know the first one is that when you have your first panic attack in your in your life you're like what the heck was that i think i nearly died i'm pretty sure i'm dying this is not normal right the 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 problem with that is that then my brain starts to look for ways to predict when that awful feeling is coming again so even if I don't know what caused the first one, I can almost guarantee you that every panic attack thereafter is triggered by fear of having a panic attack. Uh, okay. okay. So I start to worry, oh my God, what if I'm going to have a panic attack now? Yeah, and, that makes sense. The system turns on and I'm having another panic mm. attack. So this is why I say to you, the system of being able to turn it off is really cool because if I know that I can turn them off as fast as they come on, right? Even if I don't know what's causing them, then I stop having a majority of my panic attacks because I know I'll be able to handle it. Okay. Our buddy Steve Jones here is saying this is my kind of talk science. Our buddy Steve is uh, is a physio uh, is a physiotherapist. I forget now. Uh, yeah, all these science people are going to fact. He's a massage therapist. And... <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, thanks for getting into that. And and yeah. and. It, 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 when you put it in words like that, it makes a lot of sense, but. Mm -hmm. But it's important for it to make sense. Okay. So here's the why. Why do we need it to make sense? Because if I want to stop a panic attack, I need to know what my body is doing. If I have a reflex that has seven different things happening in the same moment, and it's a reflex, that means all or nothing, baby. I only have to change one of them to turn the whole system off. Okay. And that's, uh... that's cool. Right. Okay. And sure. if I understand what my body's doing, then I have the tools to be able to undo what my body is doing. Okay. So when people are panicking, first thing we all say to them is, oh, just breathe. Come on, just breathe. Just take a breath. You're fine. Take a breath. Okay. What did I tell you about the lungs? Yeah. You can't yeah. take if a I'm breath. Full, you <laughs> can't take a breath. Stop trying to take a breath. I want you to blow out. I want you to sigh. Right. I want you to breathe in. If you can only breathe in for like, and then go, right? That is what's going to turn it off. Remember I said to you, the lungs are doing this to match up with your heartbeat. Okay. When I now empty the lungs so that the lungs are going slower, guess what happens to my heartbeat? It, it has down. to slow down because yeah, yeah. the blood flow through the lungs has to match up to the oxygen coming into it. Yeah. Right. So now I've turned off the breathing thing and I can breathe again. Right. My heart rate's slowing down and my brain is going, oh, well, clearly things are not as bad as I thought. So it turns off the system. Hmm. Right? So That's interesting. That's exactly how I stop mine. <laughs> there you go. When you that, understand it, yep. you can turn it off. Yep. Okay. That, we, we can't impact a lot of things. I can't point to my stomach and be like, come on, get going. You need to get going again. Like, I can't no. impact all of it, but I can affect my breathing. My breathing in turn affects my heart. I can also affect my sensory system. Okay. So I can't stop myself from tasting, smelling, or hear or hearing, but I can take away my sight. Now, if we say that I have six, I know we say five, but there are actually six, maybe a few more senses, right? Mm -hmm. And I close my eyes, I'm removing 15% of the information coming at my brain in that moment. Right. So my body's going to go, oh, good. There's not as much coming at us. We're safe. Okay. So here's what it looks like. What does it look like to turn off a panic attack when it starts? First thing you do is you breathe in 
And the best way to do it, I don't care about boxes and counting. Like nobody's got time for that. I'm panicking. Okay. I want you to smell a flower. That'll always make you breathe in correctly. Smell a flower. Hmm. Now blow out a candle. (sighs) Okay. Now I'm going to do that again. I'm going to smell the flowers. I'm going to blow out the candle. (sighs) And then I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to do it one more time. (sighs) Okay. At that point, I should be starting to calm down. Okay. Now we know that anxiety is kind of twofold. There's the stuff in the body and there's the stuff going on in my head. Right. Mm -hmm. Now we've said that my brain, my senses are up. It's freaking out. I'm trying to find where the danger is coming from. So I'm going to do something to give my brain something to find. Okay. So what I mean by that is if you're looking for, danger but you don't see any danger it doesn't necessarily calm you down it actually makes you go where is it where is it it must be here right i want to give it something specific to find so i'm going to play a quick game of i spy so i've done my breaths close my eyes i open my eyes and i write find something blue oh right there there's someone blue i see that (laughs) there's an avatar right (laughs) or find something green oh there's something green Right. And when my brain finds what it's looking for, it goes, I'm actually safe. I know where that thing is. I've identified it. It's not a danger. And it stops thinking about the danger that it was thinking about before. Right. So in the space of three deep breaths, the last one with your eyes closed. And when you close your eyes, your last breath will be slower automatically. And I spy of five different colors. You will turn off probably 90% of your panic attack for the last 10%. I suggest you turn around and just chat to your friend about, wow, this place is crazy. Change the subject. Guys, if you, um, if you're the person that, that tends to suffer from panic attacks and, and you've never been able to deal with them, Give it a bookmark shot. this part of the video, Yeah, <laughs> you know, so you could come back to this and rewatch it and try this and give it a shot. Right. I mean, right. yeah. You, you never know. Uh, by the way, Candice, uh, Miley says. Hi. Hi, Candace. <laughs> Hi, Jen. Hi, Miley. <laughs> um, our buddy Steve Jones is asking here, and I'm not sure mm-hmm. exactly what he's talking about, but he says, would diaphrag- diaphragmatic, diaphragmatic breathing help in mm-hmm. this situation? I don't suffer from anxiety, but we use this breathing for many situations, our, our MTs. Yeah. Wondering if it would also work. Whew, holy cow, Steve. In this situation, because it was focused on the brain more on, than on the more, it focus would focus the brain, the brain more on the, more on the breathing anything. than anything else. Yeah, I mean, so, I guess the whole point is is you're trying to focus on something. Yeah. So, um, Steve, what I would say is, you know, there are a lot of therapists who use diaphragmatic breathing. Um, I tend to not, and I think the reason I don't is because um, I originally worked a lot with kids and. I found that, you know, the more complicated I made it, the, the harder it was. And also, you know, when we teach diaphragmatic breathing to children, we like put a teddy bear on their tummy and we say, now breathe um, out and the teddy bear goes up and breathe in and the teddy bear comes down. And most kids can just push their bellies in and out without actually breathing properly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I don't, um, I don't, I agree. It's, it's actually very valuable. It's a good skill for people to learn. Uh, especially if you're doing like public performance and things like that, where you need to have that breath control. Mm-hmm. But 
what I find is that if I just focus on how the breath goes in and how the breath comes out, then your body knows what to do in the middle, right? So if I just focus on taking a big breath in through one and a big breath out through the other, like exhaling through the other, my mm-hmm. body can sort out the rest of that stuff and I don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in that panic, when you do diaphragmatic breathing, you get a bit lost and you're like, wait, am I supposed to be out or in? Or Like, what am I doing? And so I have that sort of kiss approach, like keep it simple, um, you know, which is why I don't do grounding techniques of what five things can I see and five things I can hear and forth. Because if I'm really having a panic attack, I told you the logic's gone. That's gone. Yeah. Yeah. You forgot about it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. We simplify to what we know from childhood. Right. I know how to smell a flower. It's the first thing kids learn. I know how to blow out a birthday candle. It's the second thing kids learn. Right. And I know how to play I spy because there were a lot of car trips where my parents were doing mm-hmm. anything to entertain me. And it's already in my muscle memory. So I don't have to think in that panic moment. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I know that we are um, just sort of wanting to get to some of the, the examples of, you know, where people are panicking. Yeah. <laughs> Thank um, you. That's exactly where I was going to go with that. So we do yeah. have a lot of people that have, have answered our question online. Mm-hmm. What gives you anxiety at events? And, and and we've tried to kind of group them into similar responses. Yeah. And, and maybe that's something you, maybe you can even clear up because maybe some of them don't really go together. Mm-hmm. Um. I also want to point out that we, people are telling us what their anxieties are, not what is causing those anxieties. So I don't want to yeah. presume for yeah. anybody, which is why I'm not going to put anybody's names, but <laughs> we're going to bring some of them up. Uh, and, and this is one of the common ones that we've seen, I guess, specifically around mm-hmm. communication anxiety. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but being uncomfortable with communicating with people. So as you can mm-hmm. see these examples, speaking up when, when I'm uncomfortable, uh, I want to fit in. So conversations are hard, uh, knowing what to say, my brain blanks, which is opposite to how I really feel. I want to talk. I mean, that's so not these- my comment, but I'm like that. Like I'm that kind of guy that I get to a show and then I see all these people that really I've known for years now. And yeah. it's like, uh, so that response, okay. That response is the freeze response. So we said there's there's three, you know, there's actually four um, um, responses we have to anxiety. There's fight, flight, freeze, mm-hmm. and fawn. Okay. So the space of my brain blanks. I don't know what to say. The deer in the headlights look. That is um, a freeze response, and it is exactly the same physiologically as the panic attack that we just described. So okay. you use the same strategy here. Okay. When you feel like you need to speak up, don't try and take a deep breath in. Your lungs are full. We already said that. Just sigh. Just be like, okay, here I'm going to talk, right? There's an element of kind of bracing yourself. And when you do that, we turn off the system. The logic's going to come back. Your brain's going to unblank and you're going to be able to find the words. Okay. Going into those four, do mm-hmm. you see one more than the other? Because I've I know I know a lot of people that do the freeze and the yeah. and run, but mm-hmm. the other two I don't see a ton of. Do you see more than the other, or are they kind of all equal? So um, that's a good question. So the thing is, if we if we look at the animal kingdom, just super quick sidebar. If we look at the animal kingdom, um, all lions 
um, fight, right? That's their go-to. All deer run, all rabbits freeze, um, and all baby animals fawn, right? It's a safety mechanism. Um, so we have this space where in the animal kingdom, every species gets one. Humans are weird, man. We do all three, <laughs> right? Uh, but here's the kicker is each of us actually has one default. So you may be a fighter now, but you could have been the best, purest time to tell what a kid is going to be is age four. Okay. Age four, kids are the most animalistic ever be. Um, age four, you know, a group of four-year-olds can take down the Navy SEALs. It's proven. They literally <laughs> have studied that and proven it in science. Um, so at age four, how you respond to fear and to anger is really indicative of what your most natural response state is. And, you know, over time, we learn to use and access those other ones by, by inhibiting some of those feelings. Um, but to look back and say, like, who's the kid who, when you say no, and they just like, like, those are your lions, man, you know, and the little ones that are the deer in the headlights, those are your bunny rabbits. Um, you know, so it's, it's definitely there that you really start to see it the most, which is when the fawning stage actually, uh, moves out in terms of development. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I see, uh, all of them. sorry, that was answer your question. Yeah, no, yeah, so <laughs> I guess, I guess you see every, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there, I guess there is no real, everybody's different. You know, you should eat. You should know that, Michael. Like, Everybody's okay. different. Everybody's so here's different. something that's interesting, though. I will tell you this. So I work with a lot of cosplayers, actually. It's really funny. I, I was like, what, what am I putting out in the universe here that like, all come in this way? But I do already um, have quite a few of them as clients, of you guys and you guys. I'm not a cosplayer, so I should have said that. I design costumes for everyone else, but not me. Um, oh, really now? Yeah, no, there's a whole other level of therapy there. But... Hmm. Um, What's interesting is most of the cosplayers that I see are here or come to me for anxiety. So anxiety seems to be the biggest piece, which kind of makes sense because, you know, we talk about cosplay as that place where you can try on something different and you can try on being a little bit different from how you see yourself, which really fits for people who are anxious. They want that opportunity to just like not feel anxious and, and not always be like that so it makes sense that that's the probably the bulk of the group uh, of the challenges faced is is anxiety yeah and, and it's funny you would bring that up because the next slide basically covers that exactly uh well no sorry that's the one we're just looking at sorry <laughs> uh you know feeling snubbed or judged uh getting anxious uh, actually i i, I kind of feel like they're a little bit different the first one for sure kind of fits in that Mm -hmm. uh getting anx anxious when losing sight of your friends and being alone in a crowd socializing mm -hmm. in general especially with people you don't know i feel like that's a little bit different that's more of a feeling of i guess oh crap like i'm on my own now versus the other one is more i, I feel like maybe more of a self image thing i mean i don't know you yeah. tell me like what are your thoughts here no i think so i would say the third one and the first one are probably same sort of roots of feeling like you know if i'm alone in a crowd and i'm having to socialize i, I don't have a safety net if people are mean to me or judging me or you know mm -hmm. how do i break into conversation so those are definitely anxiety um the middle one is also anxiety but i would say you know there's a there's an element here of 
um, of physical safety, right? So, so I'm not feeling safe because my the, like the the physical stuff that I'm seeing. There's a lot of people. There's crowds coming in. I can't see where my friends are. I don't know where to go. Um, so it's it's not necessarily social in the same way, but I mean they all fall under the anxiety category. And I think we like to pick one and say like, oh, let's talk social anxiety. But anxiety is anxiety. And again, that strategy that I talked about before is literally going to help all anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. There is an element where the next level of what you have to work through is what's causing it. So if we think of anxiety, like let's say somebody goes to the doctor and they have, um, I don't know, a sore stomach, right? The doctor's going to be like, right, okay, there's two pieces we have to do. The first piece is we've got to give you something for the symptoms, right? We have to deal with right now, how do you deal with the pain? And then we have to figure out what's causing you to have these stomach pains. Now, some people are quite happy to say, well, I don't really care what's causing it. As long as I know how to stop it, I'm good, right? So the strategy I just gave you is the strategy that is the symptom. It's the Advil, mm. right? It's going to stop it in the moment, Arch. but it's not necessarily going to make it stop happening all the time down the line. Right. In order to get to that point, we have to figure out what caused them to start in the first place? What causes that anxiety? What is it you're worrying about? And that's where we talked about that CBT. What are your thoughts happening here? So if we say, I don't like being alone in crowds or socializing in general with people I don't know well, well, why not? What do you think is going to happen? Well, they're going to be mean to me. Okay, so what? Well, if they're mean to me, then, then I'm going to feel bad about myself. Okay, so you feel bad about yourself, so what? Now, this sounds really... Um, heartless the way I'm saying it we do that intentionally because what I'm trying to uh, um, ignite is your anger because in your anger I get to a lower level of consciousness you know that space where you're drunk and you yell I just really hate you people well I never meant to say that out loud my you know my filter is gone so we through therapy we really explore what's underneath this thought what's holding it in place and that, the goal of that is that's the space where I say you're now living with intention because you understand that I have these thoughts when I'm worried about how I'm going to manage feeling sad. Like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. Okay. So then I can come up with a plan or I can deal with it. Right. So that's the diagnostics piece in terms of if we're dealing with a stomach ache, what's causing it. Right. Yeah. Um, Tiffany, I think, has a, a, a good comment here. So many people are around, unsure how to connect with people, overthinking everything around me. Mm -hmm. And I mean everything. And I mean, that's typical, right? Uh, whenever someone laughs, I always assume it's at me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's it's a real feeling that people have. And then a lot of people have that feeling. And, and I will even go to the extent of saying that a lot of people have bailed out of certain cosplays for that reason. Yeah. I and, have. you know, if you think about it, in some ways, you're you're sort of, you're setting yourself up for that, okay? And I don't mean that um, in a mean way, but I'm saying what you are doing is you are being so incredibly brave as to put yourself out in a costume that you've made or a costume that you've bought or something that really is like at the edge of your comfort zone. You're not feeling fully um, maybe comfortable in how it looks or in how you're looking in that. And, and, and I'm like, I am always in awe of my clients who cosplay because I'm like, wow, you have so much anxiety. And then like, 
whoa, you did that? Like, that's amazing, you know? So if you can recognize that, then you can also cut yourself a little bit of slack and say like, yeah, well, it makes sense that I'm feeling so insecure because I'm outside my comfort zone because I'm trying something new because I'm used to a world that judges everything I wear. But here's the key. I need to reframe that and recognize, hang on a second, but I'm currently in a world where like, this is what we do. We wear things that are different. We step outside of our comfort zone. And yes, there are mean people everywhere. But from my experience on the whole, the cosplay community is small and incredibly supportive of each other. So if mm. there's anywhere where I can do this and be uncomfortable and actually be safe, this is it. And I and need you're to remind right. myself of that. Yeah, you're right. It is. And 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 I think it is something people need to to remind themselves more of is we 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 all do this. We're all cosplayers. We all get dressed together. We all do this. We all we're all in the same boat. We all have the same feelings, uh, but we all deal with it the different ways. And Tiffany here, it, it, again, as a follow up, has a great point saying, let me bring it up here. I started doing more goofy cosplays to try and give people a reason to laugh and try to cover up those thoughts. Hence, mm -hmm. Dwight Schrute. I, I forget how you pronounce it. I was never yeah. watching the show. I, but I had forgotten that you did that at London Comic-Con, but that was pretty good. Uh, and yeah, I know a lot of people as well that do that type of stuff is, is they'll, they'll do cosplays. I mean, look, I mean, everybody does it, right? You'll do a cosplay. How can I, how, how can I say You'll stay in your lane, right? You'll do yeah. a cosplay to try to maximize what you have as far as mm. the body style or the height or the, like whatever. Right. Um, mm. But at the same time, you want to get an effect because you're a cosplayer, but you don't want to feel shitty about yourself. And yeah, it's it's a lot. We're in a weird hobby, aren't we? <laughs> yep, we are. It's it's funny that you brought that up because, especially for anybody, I can I can speak from experience. I've been going to conventions for over ten years, and I've cosplayed for off and on for around ten. I've had more judgment from people outside of the community, family and friends than anybody in the community and anybody mm -hmm. at cons. And by the way, the judging was, what are you wearing that? Okay. Yeah. It was, I've never had anybody say anything negative to the point of, I don't want to do this. I'm, I also, say, the, though, I'm also the guy that doesn't care, but yeah. But I would also add though that, and, and you know, not to not to raise any big um, you know debates here, but I do think that it's very different for your experience as a man um, oh, doing cosplay versus 100%. a woman who where you know we've got sexy this and sexy that and sexy the other, and then I have to be really comfortable with how I feel about my sexuality and myself and my body and all those flaws and roles that might still be there, um, and I I so I think the experience is quite different in that way um we judge ourselves so harshly against things that we really shouldn't and it's so hard to not because those thoughts and ideals and stigmas are still out there in the world no matter how much we like to believe it's gone it's not gone it's changing yes but it's still there you know mm -hmm. um and so i think that's that's something to keep in mind too is like how do you how do you big each other up Right. Like, how do you actually um, tell somebody that like, wow, that costume is freaking amazing. Right. Um, 
and I would say like, as a man, how do you say that without defaulting to sexual when you're talking to a female friend? Right. Do you big up their costume by like, whoa, you look smoking hot in that. Or you're like, whoa, that is epic costume. I love what you've done this, this, or this, right? So where are we unintentionally continuing that piece? Yeah, 100%. Okay. I, I, I do think, though, that there, there's also a difference between the reaction you're going to get from somebody that's in the community as a cosplayer 100%. and the reaction you're going to get from somebody that's outside of the community and not a cosplayer. Oh, and yeah. I will even go one step further that you're also going to get a different reaction from the maker community than yeah. the non-maker community. Mm -hmm. right somebody shows up in this crazy build that i know will have taken them two years to make yeah. i don't give a shit if it's sexy or not if it's a cool build holy fuck what's going on here yeah right yeah. uh whereas the normie all they'll see is oh that's a sexy robot right oh, well, what you know <laughs> so yeah. yeah so i i i get what you're saying but um i i feel like it's sometimes harder to deal with with like Mike was saying, even the people in your own entourage, your own family and friends that are not part of the community, because yeah. they almost sometimes they feel get. like it's okay to, you know, say certain things because, well, you're a friend, so I can say whatever, or your yeah. family, you're, you're, you know, I could say whatever, right? So, yeah. um, yeah, it's, don't we have a fun hobby? We have a fun hobby. <laughs> <laughs> Right, you um, do it it's fun, right? That's what we you do. This yep. it's fun. Um, I want to bring in another slide. Uh, mm -hmm. because this has been by far the one that we got the most comments about, and, okay. and and I feel like this is the one that got me and Jen thinking: is this is this actually a social anxiety or is this just anxiety? And I think you answered that at the top of the at the, of, the of the show where. It all is just anxiety, really, right? Yeah. Um, crowds. Mm -hmm. The one about crowds. Navigating through crowds, leaving the hotel uh, to go to the con without psyching myself up. When it gets too crowded, can't move to a safe open space. I'm 4'11 and feel claustrophobic when too many people are surrounding me. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I'm 6'1 and I sometimes feel that way. Mm -hmm. Uh Crowds in general make me anxious, especially when you're uh, sardine into a small area. Last one, when it gets extremely mm -hmm. packed in one area and you're shoulder to shoulder with everyone else. Yeah. I mean, yeah, crowds, I think by far is the big thing that people. Right. I, I, I don't know if hate is the right word that have anxiety about. Like for me, I hate crowds. Do they give me anxiety? I mean, they do, I guess. I mean, they will get my heart pumping and they, you know, I'll get some of those symptoms you were causing earlier, you were talking about earlier. But I guess, again, for different people have those feelings on a different level, right? Right. And I would say that that reaction to the crowd, to the, you know, to the, I'm overwhelmed, there's too much sounds, there's too much noise, there's too much volume. Like those are, um, those are sensory anxiety. Like that is very reasonable space where your body is, should be reacting that way. Right. Like mm -hmm. your body reacting to, Oh my gosh, are people judging me with a life or death reaction is, is reasonable. Yes, but not reasonable. 
right? Your body reaction to I'm five, you know, four foot 11 and there's 57,000 people around me and I can't see fresh air. Yes, that is That's a legit, legit kind of sensation. So, you know, I would always say that whatever the anxiety is, whatever it is, your body kind of has these two settings. The one is the panic fight or flight, the on reflex, and the other is the off reflex. Okay. So those same strategies will still work. But I would also say that when you're going to a con, especially the big ones where you know what it's going to be, right? You need to be mindful of that. So if you are someone who is easily overwhelmed by sound, please take earplugs, right? You know what they're going to be. You know what they're like. You do this. Mm -hmm. So where can I prep myself? Can I say, look, I'm going to come early in the morning and see as many people as I can. And then I'm going to go for lunch anywhere else because I just need five minutes quiet. Mm -hmm. Right. Do we start to have discussions with some of the organizers about what would it look like to have a silent space? That'd be wild. Can you imagine it was a combinator? All these people are anxious. Yeah, that'd be, uh, I never even <laughs> thought of that. That that's, that's a good, very good point. Uh, hey fan expo if you're listening uh, <laughs> call me i'll help you design it no i'm kidding yeah quiet um, <laughs> space is, is actually a really good idea right for somebody yeah. that needs five minutes to go sit down and just and just yeah. yeah right always pack so a couple things that are really cool tricks sorry i i just i want to back up for a quick yeah, second yeah. because a, 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 when you're at a big convention right when you're mm -hmm. at fan expo comic-con london comic-con uh, yeah. uh, any of the big conventions not only is there no place to sit, but there's there's definitely no place to get any quiet. You literally have to leave. And when you're talking about Toronto Comic Con and Fan Expo, I mean you're downtown yeah. Toronto, so there go. is nowhere to go other than finding a corner in the parking lot in the underground parking, right? Like there is nowhere to go and sit down and shut right. down for five minutes. So and you know, I would say to you, like, so there's little things you can do that'll help. Okay. If you have the ability to stash a stash a bag somewhere, if you know somebody with a table, you can stash a bag with them that has like a kit that's going to help you. Um, throw in something heavy. Throw in like a little weighted blanket or like little mini ones. Mm. Um, you know, throw in something heavy. Always keep mints in your pocket. Mints are like superpower trick. If you mm. pop a Tic Tac, especially the minty ones that taste awful, the very first thing you do is you go. <sighs> Guess what I just did? I did the first step of my breathing strategy. I didn't have to think about it. My body just did it, right? Always put extra ice in your water bottle because cold water has the exact same effect. When blood flow is like all wonky because I'm anxious, if I put a cold water bottle here, immediately temperature changes blood flow, right? So if I can't do this, I can go to the washroom and if my hands are hot, I run them under cold water. If they're cold, I run them under hot water for just a minute and it'll change the blood flow. It'll settle everything down. Also works if you have a migraine, right? So ice water, Tic Tacs, um, you know, if you have like a, like some kind of weighted thing that allows you to just kind of like, I just need to just, you know, if you can find a corner, make sure it's a corner. Don't just sit down in the middle of the floor. Okay. When my senses are trying to keep me safe, I need a defendable position. Mm, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. I never even thought, especially after you've told us everything you told us earlier. <laughs> yeah. That makes total right. sense. Yes. 
So you will find that your anxiety will be higher if you're feeling anxious. If you're in the middle of the room, find a wall, put something behind your back, yeah. right? So that you don't have to worry about what's behind you as well as everything else. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it seems, it seems silly, but like it's tiny little things that make a difference. So, if, you know, people always come into my um, our therapy rooms. They're like, you know, wow, this is really interesting decoration you've got going on here. Everything is chosen and selected and placed with intention. So, for example, there are no rooms where you will ever have a chair that has its back to the door because that just creates anxiety. Mm -hmm. I don't want people talking about their deepest, darkest secrets to be worrying about what's coming from behind them through the door. Mm -hmm. Right. I use wingback chairs because wingback chairs make you feel like I'm in a defendable position, like I'm safe. Right. Yeah. Right. So little things like that, that we can look at in our environment and we can look at it even at the cons that help us to feel like I can just breathe for just a second. I, I literally I just need two seconds to just feel safe. So maybe that means I find a wall. I sit down. I put my headphones in and I just close my eyes and I breathe for just Five breaths. That's it. Uh, Natasha is saying here. Uh, oh, it's disappeared on me now. Hang on yeah. one quick second. There we go. Cosplay for a cause has a room at Fan Expo that is for cosplayers right. to take a break and relax. Uh, she says they used to be known as Cosplay for a Cure. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, although I don't think they're at every con, but they're usually at Fan Expo. Uh, and uh, it is a great space to go and be able to sit down, especially mm -hmm. if you need to get out of part of your costume and and, and take a breath. Uh, fantastic spot, great people. Uh, actually, Natasha used to booth with these uh, folks uh, a couple of years ago now, um, but you still don't get the quiet. There's nowhere to yeah. get that so sensory free. Yeah, there right? you go. Noise canceling headphones. If I have great a pair idea. Of these. If I have a pair of these, are just like little Apple things, right? I don't. They're not going to take up big space. They're not going to no. mess with my costume if I've got big headpieces on. Mm. If I've got a pair of these and I've got my phone, I can play brown noise, not white noise. Brown noise mm -hmm. on my phone, right? Put What's these brown in. Brown noise. So brown noise has a lower frequency than white noise. It's actually more soothing to your brain and your body. Most of mm. what people think of as white noise is actually brown noise. Right. Mm, so okay. it's there's different sounds. There's white noise, pink noise, blue noise, brown noise. Um, and the, the brown noise is I for me, I find the most calming. For mm. some people, for younger like babies, they prefer the white noise, which is a slightly mm -hmm. higher pitch, and that just makes my brain scream. So everybody has their different sounds that they're good with. Find your playlist, put it on, take a minute. Right? Find a defendable position by the wall, so not in the mm -hmm. middle of the floor where you can close your eyes and listen to music and not be worried about what's going to stick on you or fall over you. Mm -hmm. right. um, yeah. Kirby Kwan Jr. here is saying he finds it rather calming to step out of Metro Convention Center and just walking yeah. around outside and letting the cool breeze reset yes. his senses. And I will say this, especially for March Comic-Con, when it's you know still pretty much wintertime <laughs> and you're wearing you know 12 pounds <laughs> of foam, to step outside and have that cool breeze hit you and go up your suit and it's like it it's it's like a jolt of oh I'm right. back like what's going on you know right. but again I mean I guess uh, uh, there are are, are are tips and helpful tricks for every situation you guys do whatever works for you yeah. uh 
But yeah, so, when you're in that spot where, guys, if you're about to lose it, yeah, find yourself a corner, put some headphones on. Yeah, and I would say, um, the the so the ice water we talked about uh, standing outside in the cold is the same thing. There's a little phrase that we use here. We say, if you change your state, you're going to change your fate. So if you can do anything to change the physical state of your body, you're winning. If I'm standing up, sit mm-hmm. down. If I'm sitting down, stand up. If I'm wearing a sweater, take it off or put it on. Right? Just do the opposite of whatever the hell is happening, and then your body's going to have to reset. Okay. Uh, and it's funny we we were talking about this whole sensory. Uh, 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 what did you call it? Sensory. I don't know. I don't remember what I say after I say it. I have a. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> uh, one of the slides that I, I was going to show that we didn't get to was specifically that around yeah. noise, right. uh, the sounds and and sensory overload and yeah. and. That also seems to be a very common thing, and 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 yeah, obviously, if you're having sensory yeah. overload, yeah. So we're, we're going to have anxiety. At, you know. we're going to have anxiety from two sources. the The first one is going to be the physical world around me, which is going to be my senses. So that's going to be my overload. It's too loud. It's too. There's too many things coming at me, mm-hmm. um, and so that's going to cause anxiety and a trigger of that of that system. And the second thing that's going to cause it is my brain. Like I had a thought about people judging me and then there's those. So there's really only two ways you're going to get anxious from a thought or from a feeling, right? A physical feeling or physical sensation. Um, and the nice thing though, is that they interact. So if I feel physically overwhelmed, I'm more likely my brain's going to start to panic about all these crazy thoughts, right? And vice versa. If I'm thinking about all these crazy things, more likely my body's going to go which sounds awful, but here's the really cool part. It means that I don't have to know both or which is causing it. I just have to affect one system and then the other will start to turn down and then I can figure out the root. So I don't need to know if I'm just too hot or if I'm thinking about people judging me. I can calm my body down by cooling down and then I can take the time to think about, okay, so what was happening? Why? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Advil? then surgery. <laughs> and, and, and I think that's a very, a very good point, guys. If you are having social anxieties and if you know they're causing you troubles in more than just big events, but even in smaller gatherings, mm. please, you know, talk to somebody, figure out, you know, what's happening and, and, yeah. and why these things are happening because, yeah, why don't you guys just stick around? We have yeah. A pretty good, cool group of friends here. We, uh, you know, you want to uh, keep seeing them uh, from from convention to convention. And it doesn't mean you're broken. Like if you no. have anxiety, your body's no. literally doing exactly what it's supposed to do to keep you safe. It's just a little oversensitive about what the things that it's thinking is going to kill you, right? But yeah. if you're not broken, you're actually functioning exactly as you should, right? Um, yeah. Candice, thank mm-hmm. you so, so much for joining us tonight. Yes. No um I know we want to almost turn this into a little bit of a series. We kind of called it Let's Talk, and and I think we're going to keep going. Like I said, mm-hmm. I don't know if I said it at the top of the show or, or while I was live on Instagram, but mental health is worth talking about. It really you is. know, we all have issues to a certain degree. Uh, we all experience anxiety to a certain degree. Um, we need to normalize these things and and. and not only do we, we want to make sure that everybody is equipped to deal with, you know, whatever social anxiety or social issues that they're dealing with, but we also want to help equip the people that maybe can help the people yeah. that are dealing with social anxieties. So uh, 
We're definitely going to do more of these. Candice, I hope we're able to get you back on at some point. I know this is a bit of a hard time slot for you because this yeah. is kind of the end of your working day. <laughs> uh, but you did say you were going to try to put us in touch with, was it Kelly? I'll put you in touch with Kelly. She's going to be newly our geek therapist. She's awesome. Um, and I think, you know, there's definitely a space where I'm, you know, I'm happy to join in. Obviously, this is my jam. I love talking about this. I could do it all day. Um, but with enough notice, I can probably, like, I can work around it. But, um, but yeah, this has been really well, fun. Well, we would love to have you back. Like I said, you know, uh, we want to keep talking about mental health and we want to keep talking about different things in mental health, right? There are so many different things, so many different topics. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Myers. Nice seeing your face again. So happy to be here. It, I I can't remember somebody said in the said in the chat that they've learned more from Candace than they have at any therapy session. And I, I I will fully admit I've been to therapy and I agree one hundred percent. I've suffered from panic attacks. I suffer from anxiety. I've learned so many things. I know I need to install pockets on my cosplay now. So I need to put mints in <laughs> exactly. my pockets and everything else. So thank you very much for we're, all your advice. We're actually oh, getting yeah. a lot of very good comments right now. Uh, uh, great advice. Thank you. I'm so glad I was able to attend this tonight. Uh, bravo. Thank you. This has been the great. Uh, uh, this has been a great podcast. Thank you for the advice. Well done. Uh, yeah, I mean, people really enjoyed this, and 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 we're definitely going to do more. Uh, Candace, do you want to take a second again and pitch your? Uh, we never got to talk about supers on the couch. Oh, that, I think that's the day when Jeff should actually be here for that. So oh, I think he needs to be here. He for was that. there, so I think he should be here for that. Yeah, so. and, and uh, producer Jen is saying we're uh, we will send everyone a bill later. <laughs> uh, oh, one man. hour times twenty four people in this live chat right now. Uh, I you know, you're going to make a killing, Candace. You're going to make a killing. I'm known for giving it away. <laughs> People always tell me I shouldn't. But I think, you know what? I'm putting myself out of work, and that's really my life goal, right? Like, I do this so that nobody ever needs me again. It's a weird. You think you have a weird hobby? I have a job where if I'm doing it well, nobody needs me. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey. You, you, yeah, your job is literally to get rid of your clients. Yes. You know? <laughs> I mean, uh, did yeah. you want to pitch again your uh, – so you have a YouTube. Yeah, we, so I'm. Um, uh, yeah, we have a YouTube. Um, it's very small. It's very slow. Um, you know, I think my often my ideas and my capacity my are, are not matched up. I, mm -hmm. I outstrip myself. Um, we have um, a Facebook page. It's uh, CHM Therapy Services. You can search us. Um, search us up there. We're on Instagram, but really, you know, the website is um, chmtherapy.com and. That is also everything is in the process of being revamped in light of new spaces and new things coming. Um, but, How many yeah. therapists do you have now working for you? So we have 12, um, which is quite a big team. Uh, mm -hmm. We have different levels of therapists. So we have some uh, registered psychotherapists, which is sort of like full level. Um, and then we have what are called registered psychotherapists qualifying. So they have done everything but they're in that sort of supervised practice stage right and then we do also have interns in our practice who are finishing up their uh, master's program mm -hmm. um and like we do that intentionally because then like not everybody can afford all the things that we do right so yeah 100 you know we look at many ways to find ways to give it away and to help people doing things like this is a good example but you know um, if you work with an intern, people will say, I want intern. I want you, like you got all the experience. I'm like, but here's the thing. If you get the intern, you still get me because I'm the supervisor. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm the one telling them what to do, right? So, you know, so I think there's there's the benefit of being able to have those different price points. But yeah. Uh, and you have two buildings. We have two buildings. We have one space that is, uh, this is the one I'm in now. It's very homely. It's like soft and calm and cozy and sweet. Um, and then our new space is where all of the D&D stuff and the geek stuff is going to be happening. We have a Star Wars room. We have um, some pretty fun stuff. We've got a lot of superheroes on the wall. Um, I feel like you may get a bunch of people uh, show up at your office looking <laughs> for services just to see your office space now. You can see our office space if you go to our Instagram. There's a couple of reels there that'll show you what the new space looks like. We've worked long and hard. I'm super proud of how it's come out. Um, it is now. CHM I just want to get going. services on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, and I believe CHM Therapy on YouTube and Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, you'll find us. We're not hard to find. My face is all over the place. This is what it looks. Yeah. <laughs> your face is, no, your face is not all over the place. No. Not on no. the Instagram. No, no, no. I had to hide it. There's apparently like it's supposed to be more than just me. It has to be like <laughs> I think there's one there's one where your face is up. The rest is 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 well, yeah. mostly graphics. Either way, thank you so much again for coming tonight. Uh Michael, anything you want to pitch uh before we go? Um any like oh no you don't have any podcast or anything so no, guys thanks no. for watching no, <laughs> i am at myers corp cosplay i have monday night nerd every monday night seven o'clock p.m on my instagram and on youtube uh this week coming up we're gonna be talking about going to the movies i love going to the movies i've always loved going to the theater they're still going to be around in the next couple of years we're going to talk about that and mm, all my memories of they're kind of going away fast movies. The big ones, yes. Will they still be around in some capacity? We'll see. Probably. Probably. Yeah. But I guess that will be a conversation for, for Monday. Yep. Guys, thank you very much for watching. There was a bunch of you here tonight. I hope all of you click that damn like button. Uh, make sure you are also subscribed to the channel. Go and wish Jeff a get well soon. Make sure you stay geeky. We'll see you next time. I can find the end stream button. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Geek Geek Podcast. Like always, if you prefer to listen to us, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. Now make sure you don't forget to click that like and subscribe button as well as the notification bell to make sure you never miss anything.